Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Crunch Time. High ball going to land 35 out. Norton came a bit too strong. It fell perfectly for Bailey Smith, who picked it up, lined it up, and put it through. And oh my goodness, there's some bad memories already oh, come flooding back. Left forward pocket. Stephen Motlop opens the angle, hooks it at the target, and hits perfectly. A couple in a row for Ports. Big moment for Karmas. For his first goal in AFL footy, missed one at the other end, wasn't going to miss that. Let the celebrations begin. It is a tough shot. He's against the boundary. Travis Boak from 40. The veteran is all class still. Final zone. A win for Port Adelaide. Their retrieval mission has three in a row. Port Adelaide by 17 points. We did stabilise the game for a while with, with what we did with our modes, but um, ultimately we needed to score and, uh, and we, we started the second half on the wrong foot. So it was a disappointing night. It's a, bit of, it's a night of carnage for us too when you, you, know, you lose three plays in the fashion we did. Um, the five-day break might have got us a little bit with some of that, um, unfortunately. It was a high-end running game the, the week before against Essendon and, um, and one or two of the guys in Tim O'Brien and... Latham, who were quite prone, went down, and so that destabilised us a little bit. We just couldn't find the momentum to uh, to bridge the gap. The Bulldogs go from threadbare to bare bones as their lofty ambitions hang by a thread, while Port Adelaide has scratched and clawed their way back and now have that most precious commodity, momentum. Coach Ken Hinckley is our headline guest. But Lockie Schultz, can he bring up the century from 35 out? Yes, he can. A little cherry on top of a Frio purple cake on a Friday night. I was really pr- proud of the way we jumped into the game. Yeah, we've had a really good win last week, six-day break, a lot of distraction around COVID. I thought we got on the front foot, we were proactive early, got the game on our terms, so really proud of the players because that showed that we prepared really well and um, our heads are in the game so yeah there's some messy parts of the game and we didn't make the most of our supply I think we had 67 inside 50s and it would have been nice to uh, make more of that but yeah defended really well thought we were really strong around the contest most of the night and yeah it's a good win. The Dockers don't skip a beat despite the ravages of Covid conceding just three goals on a night to further illustrate just how far back North Melbourne is. Two years is a long time in footy and, you know, I think as a club and from where I sit, you know, it's important that we, we actually look at our program in, in, as a whole and it's not about the senior coaches, it's about our whole footy department and our program and making sure that we 
keep our group together and our footy club together. And um, you know, the length of my contract's got no reflection of that. It's it's really about making sure that we solidify our footy program. And you know, we've had enormous um, soft cap cuts, and it's about making sure we've got the right program, a program around high performance. And you know, my role is just a small part of that. Jack did go out mm. after the Anzac game with some mates, and, and all innocent, nothing nothing untoward about it. But he had a beer or two. On mm. Um, so I like clear boundaries mm. and one clear boundary was that a six day break that we don't do this and on behalf of the game we apologise to any woman who suffers harassment or sexism of any kind and would encourage them to report it to their local club to their league or to the AFL itself oh look he's going to be not at his optimal but he's certainly trained reasonably hard or as hard as he could without being in the team environment so you know we'll level of expectations we'll just put him out there and, and see how he goes at 50 percent Dustin Martin's still a pretty good player on our, on our books the debates of the week are about to give way to the footy the return of Dustin Martin headlines a pivotal Saturday the Eagles manage all manner of strife and all eyes turn to Essendon in search of a response from Ben Rutten and his men. This is the round eight edition of Crunch Time. There's a few phrases you don't want to hear your coach using, and one of those is night of carnage. It's a grim sight for the Western Bulldogs, self-diagnosed by Luke Beveridge last night. Uh, Let's launch into crunch time. A doubleheader on Friday night. Plenty to deal with, and Ken Hinckley to join us later this hour. Jared Waitley with you. Luke Hodge was on site last night at Adelaide Oval. He's back in Brisbane. Hodgey, hello. Good morning, Jared, Sammy, Derm. Um, Yeah, it was... Look, it was good by Port Adelaide. I was I was a little bit worried for him in that first five minutes when the dogs jumped him. And, and look, teams can do that to Port Adelaide. But talking to Travis Boak after the game, um, he was really impressed with how mature um, his teammates were. They didn't panic. They'd been in that position before, but they were able to wrestle the momentum back and, and still get five goals in the first quarter. So um, I think Port is starting to learn a lot about himself. And look, they needed that win last night. And in being in the rooms, you could see how important it was to him. Both teams are three and five. Port Adelaide this morning going, we're on our way back. The Bulldogs looking at their three and five going, she were a long way from where we wanted to be. Dermot Burton, hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Oh, yeah, carnage. I mean, yeah, the next soldier up, but they ran out of soldiers. There was nobody in the Army Reserve. Um, I looked at it last night, and in the whole, I just think this season might get a little difficult for the Dogs. They looked like it was a personnel issue not just you know the way we're playing and that you can always drill into that what's the game style doing what are the what are the players doing are they bringing us up to the level um it just looked like a personnel issue halfway through the the second half and i thought they're running out of people to actually be good enough to take the game away from the opposition and port adelaide have done well and they've improved but but they're not melbourne and uh, an aspiring or what are we talking? We're talking eight games ago. They played in a grand final of the Dogs and they did not look like really taking it away. They had a go in the last quarter when they kept kicking it back in, but they couldn't beat the saturation of numbers. But, yeah, for me, they're, they're, uh, yeah, they're going to run out of personnel. So they're condemned to it being a monumental struggle. Whatever it amounts to this year, yeah. it is going to be a monumental struggle in a year where their aspiration 
was to live in the top two and finally attack from a position of strength. Yeah, well, that, that was, it's all about redemption. But sometimes you've got to lay the platform before you get the chance at redemption. Their, their platform has been taken away from them, some out of their hands, some at their hand. Um, it just I, I know we can talk about it and we make mention of the, the great players win, you know, midfielders win Brownlows. But the ones you pay really big dollars for are the big blokes at either end of the ground, and the dogs have just run out of them. Yeah, they they just desperately in a weekend. It sounds like a broken record, but they just they longed for big Josh Bruce last night, and they just longed for a secondary forward. And I think they even played Alier Alier well, and and I think Port Adelaide almost played into the dogs' hands by not playing him playing him off of of. Um, uh, Norton for a lot of the time and then let him be third man up because it's always going there. Um, yeah, but they just need another key forward. They're screaming out for one who can win the ball and get his 12 to 15 possessions a game and kick well, on average one and a half to two goals per week. Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet. You've got an important brief this morning. Hello to you, Sam. G'day, Jared. Great to be with you. Good morning. And a couple of Hawthorne legends as well. We're in esteemed company today. You're right. Deck chairs on the Titanic is the, the phrase or the analogy that comes to mind. So the night of carnage entailed this. Latham Vandermeer, a high-grade hamstring. He's got a history here as well. So we're talking months here for Latham Vandermeer. Cody Waitman, a collarbone, but you'd take that before a shoulder. So a few weeks for him, nevertheless, an important player, a serious injury. And then Tim O'Brien, who'd made a real impression, I thought, with a calf. So, again, that's out with, for several weeks. Ryan Gardner was hobbling around a bit too. Lockie Hunter, we know, is still taking time out. They'll get Marcus Bontempelli back, Alex Keith, Tim English back next week for Collingwood. And what an enormous game this is. There is a massive difference between what would be three and six as opposed to what would be four and five. So mm. was Bont legitimately just rested? Sore. Sore. Sore, Sore so everywhere, I think. Yeah, so that's, that's the... the yep. Uh, the total sum of all the little niggles that he's felt exactly. for the first seven it, weeks. I think that you'd say if it was a qualifying final, week one of, the, of a it's big month, he plays. Yeah. 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 Okay. Luke, so what of the dogs scenario uh, across the season and then having viewed them firsthand last night? Um, I don't, I've always been looking looking at the dogs. You look at last year and, and they – they didn't finish one or two. They they had their holes last last year, and especially when they lost Bruce, it, it took them a long time to try and find a different game style um, to, to finish off. And yes, they, they got to the grand final, so they they beat Essendon in a wet day down at Tasmania. They beat the Lions, which the Lions probably, in my opinion, watching the game, and I, I was there. Um, the Lions probably should have beaten the Doggies last year in that final, but they didn't kick straight and it hurt them, and then they smacked Port Adelaide. I, I almost reckon we've given them too much credit because if you look at the the depth below as soon as you take out a couple senior players um that depth below that they really need to to start looking at the uh, the next the next bottom six that they can come in because as we saw last night as soon as they they lose a couple key people they they really drop away and and it's not ball movement they, it, when they needed last night they had no one who wanted to stand up you, you looked around the ground and they were, yes they had no rotations and they looked out in their feet but there was no one who was putting their hand up sort of saying doing a bond say come with me I'll jump on my back and I'll, I'll carry, carry you through that um, they, they look young like they got an even young smith had a go but it was it was just a bridge too far for him it, that, that, that's probably one that, that's one that I can sort of look up he kicked that beautiful goal in the last quarter where he took a couple on but then you also look around and who was the next person? I'm, I'm trying to sit there and think, who else took the game on or tried to create? They had the ball moving in the back half. They 
they didn't want to be create creative in the last quarter. They kept going down the line to where Port had their spare numbers. And yes, they had so many inside 50s. But if you keep going down the, the same line to where Port have got their men, you're not going to go. You're not going to go past them. They hey. needed to switch. They needed to have a bit of run off the half back line, open the that side of the game up just to try and create a few scoring options. Hodgie, that that. When they made the ball sizzle around the stoppage, you know, bang, 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 handballs to somebody who was clear, had balance, had space, had time, and then could deliver. Have teams nutted that out? Have teams taken that away from them? I think so, because what, what's their plan B? Um, I'm, I'm sitting there going, if, if they get it on their terms and they can and they can zip through and they do look very good and they get down to Norton, who one-on-one would be so hard to, to defend because he's athletic, he has two or three leads... But as soon as they get held up, you can't really see uh, uh, the next move because they don't have enough tools to play a long down the line contested style of football. They they always try that perfect play, and and it looks like teams have have figured it out to, to shut them down. So, do you think are they a team, Dermot, that could grimly hold the fort for the next period of time and then try to mass the troops for a late run Rally. at it, or, mm. or just they don't? There's not much across the first eight weeks where you could go, okay, that. That performance, that's the Bulldogs that we could transpose into yeah. September. They haven't been that team this year. No, and they got knocked off by Adelaide as well, remember, on, on, on a ground that they should always, you know, win at, you know, 75% of the time. Um, what worries me is they're a three and five team now. Um, I can see them being a four and seven team at the halfway mark. And I'm going to use numbers to back up numbers. Nine out of ten times, what you are at the halfway mark is what you are at the end, and that's a that's a that's an eight and and uh, and fourteen. <laughs> fourteen. <laughs> I was almost went for twelve. Then thinking the twenty game season. Um, that's an interesting story in itself. The twenty game <laughs> season. I got offered a bonus once for reaching twenty two games in a twenty game season. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker born every minute. Good, good morning to Peter Hudson. Um, anyway, so look, they were. Uh, I look at that and think eight's probably the team they're putting out there is probably where they're at. That will be a big fall if that. It's a huge fall. But teams have done that before and come up the third year again. Melbourne prove that. Now, they had two years in so-called hiatus, but we've seen that happen frequently. Teams take a full season to re-establish themselves. Contestant marks another big issue last night, wasn't it? Todd Marshall, four. Jeremy Finlayson, three. You referenced the Adelaide game where they took intercept marks at will. So, yeah. obviously, O'Brien goes down last night. Keith comes back. They just need another key back. I just look at Griffin Logue at Fremantle. Do they go in for another established key back just to shore up that defence? Well, they've got some on the sidelines. They got they got Alex Keefe as an intercept marker. And somewhere along the line they said, you know what, we can't afford to have him floating freewheeling and taking intercept marks. We need him as a lockdown backman. Yeah, so they, they probably need a lockdown backman. Is that Cordy? If, if our project boy... Jamari Eugle Hagen can can come up to speed. Does does Cordy spend the rest of his career back then as a lockdown, whether it be on the number one big fella and you have the intercept defender come over, or is he the third tall defender? Um, they've got some issues, and it's personnel based. It's it's personnel based on what is not there. I believe that w- that was the damning thing last night. Is there was no way I looked at that game and thought. Port Adelaide are going to tear them apart by contested marks. They haven't won contested marks yeah. any game this year. 
especially with Dixon out. It almost looked like Port have changed their game style because they've been too scared to kick it long down the line because Dixon's not there. And Georgiatis and Marshall um, and Phil Mason are those kind of players. Yes, they are those kind of players. Marshall last night. I thought that was his best game, Hodgie. Exactly right. But the, they, they just, as soon as they took one or two, all of a sudden you could sort of see the poor players going, hang on, yeah. we can actually kick it down to them. It was almost like mid-game, they changed their mm-hmm. mindset and said, let's give them a chance. And they continued to reward the mids for, for backing them. I, I reckon there'd be, there would have been some choice words in the box when Sam Powell Pepper marked that ball on his chest amidst two. Admittedly, one of them was Caleb Daniel. Um, but there would have been some choice. Oh, you, yeah. just, you just cannot let a player... Mark a sky ball on his chest when there's two opposing backman defenders in the goal square with him. And then there was the other moment where Dumont looked like Wayne, it made him oh. look like Wayne Carey. So that there yeah. are these moments in that game which are so exposing. Yeah, yeah. Their ability to defend one on one, which is once again another whole new subject. Are we, are we reaching the tipping point of where players play so much team defence that when asked to play one-on-one in a battle of a one-on-one, it's a little foreign to them and we're almost reticent to trust Backman in one-on-one situations. 100%. If you go and watch teams, and if the smart teams with patience can pick their way through zones, and if you watch their midfield, midfielders don't want to pick up a man anymore, and then that filters through to your team defence, I'm playing in front, someone's going to come over the back. You always rely on someone who's in front, behind, left or right of you to cover you if you can't quite get there. But once teams start to pick their way through and hit targets, you need to go and get that extra step closer to your man and almost be accountable for the person in your area. But time and time again, there's so many midfields and and defenders in today's game that just don't want to do it because they haven't had to do it for the last seven years because that's how the game's gone. Aren't Port interesting? You get to zero and five. That's amazing. And you get just the pure dumb luck of getting West Coast, which gives you a chance. And then you go to Cairns in the most miserable of conditions and play 41-40, to 40, a game where if the opposition kicks straight, you're no chance, but they grind it out at the end. And then on the third game, you actually they restored a lot of what they are last night with players coming back. That Suddenly, they're just by virtue, if they had two more top teams at 0-5, I have no doubt they go 0-7. <laughs> but yeah, they, they scratch do. and they claw yeah. and they bite, and then suddenly they look a bit like themselves again. North Melbourne next week as well for Port Adelaide. So you'd chalk that one down now. So suddenly then they get to 4-5. and five. And it's, it is amazing. They came back off a, you know, Luke Beveridge referenced the short break from that hard-running game against Essendon. Well, they were, Port Adelaide were coming back from what Travis Boak said was the most challenging game conditions-wise that he's ever played in. So they would have had their challenges during the week as well, and yet there was a sign of life. It's all, I know it's who you play, but it's also when you play them. The, the young lad Chapman, when we made mention last week, his fist back into play mm. to give them a win in round one. They come away from that. One zip, and they've lost one game since. They leave that arena thinking, we can win on the road. And it always, you go through your tips every week. For the, for the last 20 years, you go, what are my golden rules? Well, whoever's the best team on top, you tip them. And never tip the Dockers outside of West Australia. Now you've got to review that. And they, then they go down to Geelong and knock the cats off in their fortress. So we want to dig a bit deeper on the Dockers shortly. But, but Luke, how did you come away feeling about Port Adelaide and what they might have restored? Yeah, I, I was sort of sitting back. Have we been a bit harsh on Port? Because I, 
sitting in the stand, watching them in round one against the Lions, they put everything into that. Yes, they were undermanned. Um, Dixon wasn't playing, obviously. Fantasia, they had a few out. They had a few blokes with injuries, and they pushed the Lions. They were four goals up against the Lions. But because of their injuries, they had... They had, I reckon, five or six players that come off throughout the game in the third or last quarter, obviously went down, saw the dock, got medicine, <laughs> and, and come back on just to finish off. They were banged up from that game. So they were well on their rights to win that, but they just threw the injuries, um, fell short. The Carlton game, their second half in that Carlton game to come back and lose by three points was as good a football as what the Port supporters would have wanted to see, but they just fell short. So they could have been sitting here five and three, and we probably wouldn't be... Talking last night as a as a, such a big game for them, but the the spirit that I saw in the rooms, how important that was to them. Ken was, we, we spoke to Ken before the game, and he was. You could just sort of tell in his voice that this was so important. It was a big game. Nothing, nothing come across. Nothing about playing the Bulldogs or the prelim last year. It, it was like he'd forgotten about that, even though all the supporters hadn't. He was there, knowing that they were under the pump if they lost tonight. A home, a Friday night in Adelaide, big crowd rocked up. They had to beat the Bulldogs to keep their season alive, and, and that's what they did. I reckon he would have got so much confidence out of the way the boys performed last night. Ken Hinckley is our headline guest. He'll join us in about 20 minutes' time. So we'll delve into the second of last night's doubleheader fixture on a Friday night when Fremantle made a mess of North Melbourne. We'll do that next on Crunch Time. The award-winning crunch time. Uh, we've got to stick together. You've got, got to find the positives out of it. We've been doing some a lot of work behind the scenes on our contested footy. Um, you know, a game we we didn't fare too well in clearances tonight. You know, between the arcs and band the throw-ins particularly, we, we addressed our centre bounce. Just seems like each week we've got one thing that sort of pops up um, where we get you know severely taken advantage of. So. Um, we've been trying to work on our defence and our contested ball. It doesn't feel like it. Um, I think the players are, are really diligent at the moment, you know, back in Melbourne. I think they're, they're trying really hard to address those issues. Uh, I've got no, absolutely no issue with the work ethic that our players are showing back at training. David Noble, the North Melbourne coach, after his team posted just three goals, 6-24 against Fremantle, 15-12-102. Just for the moment, the Dockers sit atop the table with their... 28 points and a percentage that reads at 153.2, pending what happens with Melbourne tomorrow. So the, the glass half full first, Dermot Burton, the Dockers week on week. They, they're so hard to score against. That is holding up. They didn't skip a beat after the dis- disruptions of having six players ripped out of their lineup. Absolutely, and they get Sean Darcy back, who looked fantastic again. That boy can seriously play. Uh, yeah, they're, they're capable of moving the ball. It's a well-judged team at the moment. Uh, as you said, they hold up the opposition from scoring. And when you're in that window, I, I, you go to the other end of the scale, and the teams are trying to teach their uh, players how to score, uh, and because that's so much more difficult. You can teach teams how to thwart scoring in the opposition when you get to the stage where you reckon you're right you're thereabouts you then start to really implement how to strangle the opposition and if you feel you can score on the rebound going the other way good you let it all out they are at that stage at the moment and they have got a plethora of players to come in whenever they have any injuries or or the COVID interruptions they just come in and fill the role they are pretty well thereabouts. You'd think from here they would be a lock for top four by the end of the year. 
So, Luke Hodge, when you discover this early in a season, so they're 7-1, and one, they had lofty aspirations coming into the season. They felt they were ready to be making finals and to issue a challenge for the top four. Once you get that evidence so early on in the year, what can that, what can that build to as the weeks tick by? You start thinking anything's possible. And then when you've got, I oh, know, a Brownlow medalist that might want to jump back into the team as well, you sort of sit back and go, what could this group do? Everyone sort of sits back and they're afraid of, of Melbourne and, and the other senior teams that have been around for a while. But everyone's sort of sitting back going, how, how, can, we, how can we stop this young team? They're not reliant. You look through, last night they had 11 goal scorers. They're not relying on one person to kick goals. They're not relying on one person just to get the ball. It's actually a good young team willing to do anything for, for each other. And then you throw Fife back in, and Jared, I think you know that I'll be a big one. I'll be putting Fife in the forward line just mm-hmm. to try and uh, be another target up forward before you put him into the midfield for too long. Um, but, yeah, you sort of sit back and go, it's, it's an exciting stage to be as a, as a Fremantle player or a coach or a supporter thinking, the, the sky's the limit for us at the moment. Do they do they need a huge scalp? Well, they are a huge scalp themselves now, aren't they? They are. But do they need a huge scalp along the way? I can remember, Hodgie, as you're coming through as a young player and you're playing against the team, which was the yardstick for several years before you, there's always that, you know, hey, we're good, we're good. We know we're good. But are we as good as them? Do you Ooh. need that? that win to frank your form and say, hey, we've got this. We can win this. But looking at how they play, I reckon they're sitting here going, we want to take on Melbourne. We want to take on the Lions. So we're going to find out in the next month. They've got Gold Coast, Collingwood, Melbourne, and then the Lions at home. We're going to see how good they are and if they can match against the big teams. But what they will be doing is at least they'll know where they are against the, the, the better teams, the top four teams. Um, they haven't put a foot wrong at the moment. And I guess that's, that's all they'll be saying to himself. We've just got to keep doing what we have to do against these clubs. But when it comes to the Melbourne, we know how they defend. Melbourne so, Hodgie, can, can I interject on you then? If I was to skip Luke Hodge down to September, October the 1st, say, so right, let's look at the roadmap. Was it better for the Dockers to perform really well against Melbourne and the Lions and maybe not beat them first time around? Or is it better for them to win? I know it always sounds silly not winning, but you know what I mean. It gives you the opposite, the opposition who are really good a chance to sum you up as well. But if you're coming at them, it's a different. If the stakes are different, it's actually interesting. You you say that. I actually don't mind the fact that you come up against a team like that. You push them and you lose. Because if you beat them, they're concerned, they're worried, everyone's now looking at you. If you come up against a team like Melbourne, you push them and you lose by a couple goals. You sit back and assess that and think, we could beat them. And I'm only talking from my own personal experience. In 2008, we lost to Geelong by a goal or two. might have been 10 points. Clarko came in after that game and said, we can win the grand final. And we're sitting there going, Geelong's one of the best teams that have been playing since the Brisbane Lions three-peat. And he goes, no, what we saw tonight, what we can do, we can match this team if we play the right way. And that's what it will give confidence to a Fremantle. Once they come up and match it against mm. the Melbourne or Brisbane who are sitting second league with them, and they show, they convince themselves that they can match it with the best teams there, doesn't matter if you win or lose. As long as you push them and you can sort of match them here and there, all you have to do from that, come with the same intensity next time and just tweak a few little game styles that might give you that advantage. You, you know, you're one or two moments away getting those moments right from beating them. Yeah, and that's all it takes. And then, and then that causes doubt. If you're coming up against them in finals, once you've pushed them close and then you start to get on top of them, all, all of a sudden they're not invincible anymore.
So Geelong at Geelong is a landmark. Then you go home and win so handsomely. They if they continue in this form, they should be able to get themselves to ten and one for the back to back games against Melbourne mm. and the Brisbane Lions. So so their course is beautifully laid out. What what about the North Melbourne scenario, Sam? Is they they got the Dockers at notionally a good time and they were they were uncompetitive. So no Fife, no Taberner, no Lobb, no Logue, Akers, Frederick, Meek, Collier, and Yet last night, Fremantle are younger in terms of average age and less experienced in games played than North Melbourne. Now, if you're a North Melbourne person, that is so Doesn't boring. read well, but there's, there's mitigating factors. I mean, the- That's with David Mundy playing for Fremantle as well, I want to <laughs> oh, add to him. So they're a yeah, year right. younger on average and mm. 10 games less experienced on average. That's it. That's, that is such a massive part of it if you're North Melbourne. So they're 1-7, and seven, percentage of 55, an enormous injury list, and it is so broken down there, Jared. It's hard to know where to start. They can't keep the ball. They can't defend the ball. The players from the outside looking in don't look invested. They don't look interested. They're clearly lacking confidence. Some want out. We know that. So you've got Josh Walker playing forward. They'd love to, I'd, if I'm a North Melbourne su- supporter, I want to see Charlie Combin playing. I want to see the kids come in. I, I, Jed Anderson, his first game, but he looked miles off it. Tom Powell, he, he's so quick to be dropped. He's in the twos. He's a high draft pick. Will Phillips, we haven't seen a lot of. We know he had glandular fever. He's crook again this week, but he's a pick three. I don't think Hugh Greenwood has really worked for all the, the fanfare and how he was brought to the club. And he was only brought to the club because of Ben Cunnington's issues as well. So... And then you even look at the ultimate salting of the wound. Now, Ben Mackay last night, their one shining light, he was on record pace for intercept marks. He was braining them, and then he goes down with an MCL. Now, he's telling people he might play this week. He's limping around. That might be several weeks. He's going to be scanned today, but that is uh, just a terrible blow for them. The VFL side is coming off a 55-point loss, a 44-point loss. They've only got half a dozen AFL-listed players running around today in that competition. They sit second last at 1-7. and seven. And it's not overstating things, Jared, to say there are questions being asked of the entire club by people inside the club. And that extends to the severity of and the seriousness of, are those in the positions of power the right people to be in the position of power? So it is, it's only round eight and you fear for the club at the moment because um, there is a myriad of problems. So year two is the most difficult year of a rebuild. I think there's enough evidence and case studies for that. Yep. But you are looking for signs of progress, and they haven't shown any signs of progress thus far through eight rounds. Once again, for me, it's, it is a very easy thing, but personnel, the personnel they put out there is not of going to challenge league teams. There's two there's two teams at the moment that are non-competitive for similar and slightly different reasons. It's the West Coast Eagles and North Melbourne. It's... If you get them now, it's tremendously good for your win-loss ratio. But I think we all agree that Jack Zebel is heroic in the way he goes about it. But if he's sitting as your key forward in that forward line, with the absence of Nick Larkey, you're not going to say they can kick 14 against us. So that's a personnel issue. This game, Zerha, um, it's got a good highlight reel, but I don't know if he if he makes the formation of structure of a forward line around him, I can't be in the, in the midfield and look up and say, Cam Zerho is going to be there when I swing onto my right foot. He's going to hit that spot. Um, I don't know whether there's much linkage there with that forward line. And the midfield, having said that, they only got in there 32 times last night as well. So the midfield, which I do believe has the makings of being an exceptionally good midfield down the track, uh, they're under fire. 
They just can't win the ball. And when they're, they're devoid of confidence at the moment, the back line hasn't worked. Mackay has been, uh, uh, as you say, I think he's been pretty good. Aiden Kaur, uh hasn't stood up and hasn't been what they thought he would be. I've liked Lockie Young's efforts, but he's going to be that, that uh, take the third type forward, the hybrid type forward. There's not a lot there. McDonald's been fantastic all year. I'll give him, give him his dues mm. as well. But they lack four what I would call in league standards, eight out of ten standard personnel. They lack for enough of those. There are holes everywhere you – everywhere the ball goes, there's somebody who is just a little flimsy in the contest, and that hurts the team. Are you – Luke, are you pessimistic about the North Melbourne rebuild? Uh, oh, look, it's it's not great. If you're North supported, you're sitting back and you'd be frustrated. But oh, I'm a big believer in giving them time. Um, what's Nobs? He's, he's 28, 30 games into into a rebuild of a club who have made a lot of changes. And have they made too many changes? Possibly. You do need some senior guys there to, to help guide um, to help guide the younger guys. And and you look through their list. That Derm's probably right as far as you're, you're looking through it. And, if you're ticking and crossing, but I, I still believe we need to sit back and give them give them a little bit of time to help build, mould, get Nobs to to teach the guys how he wants them to play football. Um, and I think we all know that if you're if you're in a young team and things aren't going your your way, you can easily drop your head. Uh, and look at some looking at some of their scores, they've been belted by way too much um, the last month or so. Uh, it just shows the lack the lack of confidence in the players. So. Look, I'd be sitting. Here. I'd love to have the conversation again at the end of the year to sort of see what they've what they've been able to do for the for the back end, just to try and improve or show something that that they're on the right path. Yeah, uh, I, the Col- Coleman Jones uh, recruitment. I, I'm all for that. Even when he wasn't getting a game, you've got a boy who's 20, 21 years of age. You're getting him to play his best football from 24 on. And if he's got two blokes ahead mm. of him, one of them's on the going to be on the way out in the next. 12 or 18 months, Goldie will either go somewhere else for a final year, a crack at it, Probably or six he'll months. Oh yeah, yep. or retire. So, And then you join the queue. Hey, we need another Ruckman. You join in the queue with everybody else to get a Ruckman. So to get a young lad who's still learning his craft and clearly has talent, if you have to play him in the reserves for a little while, let him continue his journey. But I'm all for the way that they've, they've handled that. They were too top-heavy in that very first game against the Hawks, and it seriously cost them. Yeah, it's it, uh, you cannot overstate it. To be honest, even down to something small, Jerry. Before we leave them, Arden Street's being renovated. They haven't even been able to get the whole club together. So uh, people are working from home. They're renovating the club. They can't even have staff meetings in there at the moment. So it's been a complete schmozzle. Schmozzle, <laughs> righto. We're at schmozzle word to be honest. It is at Ken Hinckley <laughs> is going to join us Why? next <laughs> as Project Restoration at Port Adelaide shows good signs. You're listening to Crunch Time. Kenny said it was possible to string five together. A few people scoffed at him. Ken Hinckley, the coach of Port Adelaide, is with us on Crunch Time. Ken, congratulations and welcome. Morning, Jared. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's nice to get another win. As you know, we're, we're chasing our tail, so we're, we're chasing hard at the moment. How's the restoration project going? Because it looked like there was a, a lot of your Port Adelaide that was before us last night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been building over the last you know, three and a half weeks, to be fair, since half-time against Carlton. And look, and even in games earlier in the year, we, 
I said last night, we've, we've led Brisbane by four goals at the Gabba. We've led the Crows by four goals and we lost games we probably normally wouldn't lose. But we found ourselves in the situation we were, but feel like we're building since. Do you... A lot of it swings on how you handle it, I reckon, Kenny, at zero and five. Um, what did you What did you privately do? And then what did you do with the players that at least gives you the chance to peg it back? Privately, um, coaching-wise, I think, spent some real time just to make sure that the, the fundamentals of our game were, were, were identifiable for us and, you know, and, and see them in the games that we were playing. And they... There were certainly some lapses in some parts of our game that was um, not typical of us. So spent some time in that space, but ultimately kept kept a task with the players with day-to-day stuff. And, and it's really hard when, you you know, you, the numbers keep creeping the wrong way and you go, well, it's a team that's, you know, supposed to be okay and we're, we're started off not great. You've just got to keep your eye on, on the moment. And if you, if you drift too far from that, and everyone wants to take you further than that. They want to take you. You can't play finals. You can't do this. You can't do that. Well, Typically, our job is to make sure we just stay in the moment and, and work towards our next win and our next opportunity. And we did that really, really well. And the players, I never felt any stage for the boys that you know that they weren't capable of turning it and they weren't capable of believing that we could turn it. Just a follow-up to that, Ken, is do you... I guess there would be a risk in second-guessing, but there would also be a need to to reassess what's there. What was your balance between sticking to what you know, what you know works well with your group and making necessary adjustment? Yeah, there's a clearly a balance in, in that. I mean, we had, we, we, we have had and still have got some critical pieces not available to us too in that period of time. So, you know, you, you, can't, you can't change too much and you can't mess around with too many bits because you, you know you've got to wait until some of those pieces are arrived back for you. And I think that, that was really important for us. But yeah, we made some, some small adjustments. The, you know, the Connor Rosie move, everyone talks around. And, you know, the Zach Butters move, the young bikes going into the midfield. Sam Hayes coming into the team as a young ruck. Look, some of the things we, we couldn't do early in the year, we were out of sight of our control a little, but then we were able to um, you know, start to move some pieces back to where we wanted them. And, you know, it's, it's, it all starts just by hard work. Let's be honest, it's not, it's not a secret recipe. It's just by being prepared to grind out a win. And I think... Now, last week was really as, as important a win as for us as any time when we grind out a one-point victory in Cairns. Ken, has your opinion, first five minutes last night, I was watching when the doggies got off to a good start, thinking, uh-oh, here we go again, because they've had a history of doing that. Has your group matured a fair bit? Because they didn't look like they panicked. They, they just kept playing the same way. They didn't change a lot. They just stayed calm. Has that been a pretty big improvement from, from your crew? No, look, I think, Hodge, I think they've been reasonably solid that. I mean, the first five games of this year, people you know, put a lot of judgment in that. But I think over the last couple of years, they've been a pretty successful team as far as winning games at the right time. And we unfortunately didn't. We played our worst game of the year in 21 in, in a prelim final. But, you know, I think we've shown over the journey that we're actually quite mature in that. Um, the Bulldogs, yeah, two, five minutes in, I'm sitting there going, I've felt this before myself. But <laughs> what we didn't do is we didn't panic and we... And we Stuck. We, we, we put an enormous amount of structure and planning into our week for the Bulldogs because we know what, what Luke's, Luke's a really tactical coach and wants to mix and match a fair bit. So we, we made sure our boys were as well prepared as we could have them um, for the start of the game particularly and then let it unfold from there. And I think we had to stick when that happened, the first couple of goals. We had to make sure we, you know, we stuck together. And then obviously the, the fella up the other end for us, a little fella called Robbie Gray, helps get us on the board and we start to tick. Three weeks ago, uh, you would have been saying, when's Dixon getting back? But after last night with Marshall, Georgiatis and Finlayson, how they worked together, how they competed, the contested marks they took, you're sort of probably sitting back now going, oh, maybe we can give Charlie another game in the seconds. 
Yeah, I did say last night he's a pretty good player though, and he's um, you know we don't unfortunately don't have a game next week in the sample either, so we, some of some of that sometimes is out of control. But we just need firstly we need Charlie to get through the game today well and, and physically well because that's that's the you know the big question mark for him is how he copes with his first game of football since basically since January. So it's a big ask for him, but. Um, yeah, look, part of that stuff I just talked about before with Jared is, you know, your, your first few rounds of the year, you're growing with people who are not working together a bit and it's taken a little while, but I've been really quite pleased with the three, you know, dynamic forwards, I would call them as tall. They've all got a bit of speed and they all get off the mark, so that's a different look to Charlie. Can I ask you, Ken, uh, going into the match, uh, the one forward who might be able to... Take it away from you a little bit. Post a score which you might struggle to contain is Aaron Norton. He's a fantastic player. What was your, your your pre-planning with that? We Most of us thought somebody will engage him and Aaliyah will be somewhere else and come over the top. Uh, you went a different way. Yeah, we're deliberate in that. I mean, they took care of Aaliyah couple of times when we played on him with another player so I thought I wanted to meet the you know, I wanted to meet the challenge head on. Oh you know, okay. You want to try and take him away, we'll try and put him on your on your best forward and, and, and Norton as you said, he's an outstanding young forward. He's probably as good a young forward as there is in the game and uh, you know, he takes a lot of work because he jumps a lot of balls but um, you know, Alir taking hold of him early and then, you know, trying to change it around slightly later on in the game to, to try and get us in the position that we wanted to be. But look, it's it's hard to deny Norton still had a great start and he still had a pretty good game for them so He's just a highly talented player that takes a lot of work. Yeah, it was an intriguing battle between the two of them when they were thereabouts. Uh, I love watching the, the, the tracking the progress of young players. Now, as a young lad, you've got Xavier um, Dersma. Uh, he cracked his shoulder earlier in the year and it lo- and you've dropped him out of the team, but it looked like he lost confidence, uh, you know, for the robust contest, you know, when he was going to take some body heat. And he looks like he's starting to get that confidence back now. Yeah, he is, Derman. You're 100% correct. He, um, you know, he took a big hit in Brisbane in round one. We took a big hit as a team in round one, to be honest. And um, he took a big one, and um, you know, it took a long while for him to probably overcome one the injury and, and, and the soreness of the injury, and then two the confidence to continue to play the way he needed to play. And you know, we we, we gave him a little spell, and we we helped him through that little moment where he was um, self self doubting a little bit, I reckon, more than anything. And yeah. you know, he's still not back to his absolute best, but I think he's um, he's starting to emerge back to the player that we know and love, and that is someone who just works hard all day and, and he's fearless in the contest. So you know, Xavier will keep working away. Yeah, he's a darn good player. Your second answer to Luke. You said hard work. I love that because so many people, we analyse football, we make it overly complicated in actual fact to keep ourselves in a job. (laughs) And sometimes we think that there is a blueprint, an overlay blueprint. Put that down and we win the game. It still comes back to it in this caper, doesn't it? You've got to have the motivation. You've got to have that will to win. And you have to have the hard work ethic. And, And that's where the game is essentially won or lost. Yeah, well, we've never been anything other than that um, as a team. You know, we, you know, if you look through our team, we're probably not filled up with all the, the most talented players going around. And I, and I love the fact that our boys, you know, Trav's a great example. Travis Bogue is an amazing player and a sensational player, 34 years of age and still playing at a high level. But he's, his motto is, you know, the harder I work, the better I prepare, the more lucky I'll be. And that's kind of what we are as a footy team. We, we need to be a work-hard football team and we, we should never go away from that. And I don't think we rarely go away from it, but everyone drifts at times, I think. Final one from me. We, we made mention before of the doggies had that zip-zip handball around the contest when they're up and going at their very, very best. Was that something you needed to 
uh, focus on? Do you still focus on it? Or is it more about we win it, win the ball, they are chasing us? What's the balance there? Oh, well, that's exactly what you said. It's a balance because, unfortunately, their great strength are the, you know, the, the handball flick. They just get it out and get it going, and it's really hard to control if they get first look at it. You know, the contested possession early in the game was going their way. We managed to pull that back a bit, put us back in the contest as far as being around the ball and, and make them chase a little bit more than, than us chasing them. But well, they're an incredibly talented team around the ball. I mean, they didn't have Bond too last night, so... We're not we're not silly enough to think that um, you know we we had everything the way we liked it last night was pretty good for us. But uh, their their ability to flick the balls is as good as a team as there is in the competition. They they challenge you in all sorts of ways, and you know you just got about your best the whole night. Uh, Ken Sam Edmund here. Appreciate your time. I just wanted to ask you about the interchange infringement. Was there an what happened there? Was there an extra player on the field for a portion of of time? Only a short period of time before a, a, an infringement was was whistled. Yeah, about one second, Sam, I reckon. Um, there's, a bloke, there's a bloke called uh, Zach Butters who's pretty keen to do everything fast. <laughs> he came on too and, quick. And if, and if you watch the interchange, Dan Dewson runs through the interchange yeah. as a competing player, but he doesn't come through the gates, and Zach doesn't take too much to get back out there, so he um, he gets going pretty quick, but quickly realised that that Dan just hadn't gone through the gates correctly. So, yeah. and, you know, we had one of those go our way, I think, the week before. West Coast, might have yeah. Yeah, West Coast, we had one. Were you a little bit miffed that they only called it when it was in the hands of the opposition player? (laughs) Because it happened some time before they actually decided to let the field umpire know. You said before, hard work plays a part in this game, and I'll tell you, there's a little thing called luck (laughs) that plays a part in it too. You know, know, last week we had a bit of luck and we kick a point, but we've lost a couple of games when the luck's going against us. You can analyse the game as much as you want, but... um, Sometimes just a pure bit of luck helps. That's why we made the ball the shape it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kenny, I know you're hot off a game, and we're coming up to that middle portion of the year, I guess, where the list management stuff becomes a bit more of a factor. Can I ask you about someone like Carl Amon, who's a free agent this year? Now, obviously, he looked to move a few years ago via a trade, but he stayed. Can I ask you what your read is on him and, and whether you would think it's likely that he might look to move back to Victoria at season's end? No, look, it's a really hard one. I mean, I suppose the only person can really answer is Carl, but mm. you, our engagement with Carl has always been really positive. I've got a terrific relationship with Carl, and um, you know, I think people write a little bit into the fact that he was out of the side a couple of weeks ago and you know, want to make it a little bit more of a story. Look, Carl, Carl has every right to, to explore his opportunities, and, and if, that is, if, that is to be, if that was to be elsewhere, well, that, that, that's the rules of the game. But we're really confident as a football club, the players that we want to keep, we keep, and we genuinely don't miss. So... Mm. Um, I've got no, I've got no fear that Carl will want to be playing anywhere else but Port Adelaide. But um, you know that, that's been said plenty of times and proven wrong. Can I can I ask you how vocal Robbie Gray is out on the ground? Because the amount of times in, in what could be like a, a, a forward line, a forest full of tall defenders, he gets a lot of one on ones. Does does he get really vocal and push all his teammates? further up the field so he does get the absolute one-on-one which he was able to run uh, not run rings but run himself into one-on-one space in the first half especially yeah, he's just an incredibly intelligent player and um, you know Rob, Rob, Rob plays the game he needs to play to suit the, you know, the skills that he has you know, he's the player that we turn to all the time from a coach's box to if he's on the bench to help you know, judge and, and, and corral and, and position that the other players on the ground and the forward lines. He's got incredible experience and he knows, you know, he's just such a good player at the right moment. So, 
he um, he finds it difficult at times, but more often than not, Robbie's smart enough to um, do something pretty positive for us. And, and again, as a player, that's, you know, I don't mind saying Rob's been dealing with a knee injury for for seven weeks, and uh, and it hasn't been great for him. But he's been able to get through games. And I said to him only a week ago, mate, you'll um, you'll always be useful for us, regardless of what you're like when you're out there, because the opposition's scared of you, and that's a great result for us. And in ten seconds, Kenny, do you know Riley Bonner's scenario? Uh, badly twisted ankle, um, MRI happening this morning, probably unlikely to play for a couple of weeks. Kenny, thank you very much. Good on you, boys, thanks. Good on Adelaide coach, Ken Hinckley on Crunch Time. Welcome to Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the three-litre Isuzu D-Max and extraordinary seven-seat MUX. Crunch time, the Saturday of Round 8. Port Adelaide and Fremantle winners last night. Saturday builds rather enticingly. The return of Dustin Martin, the ghoulish factor of a shadow team going to play in Brisbane, and that's West Coast. Some bad luck and some by their own hand, as it turns out. And then it builds towards tonight. And Essendon, how will they respond to the to the week in the headlines, ferocious on the outside, but I imagine equally so on the internal as they prepare to face the old enemy in Hawthorne. So it sets up rather beautifully the next, what, 10 hours of footy. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Luke Hodge and Dermot Brereton with you. The issues of the week and then what is going to unfold through the remainder of round eight. Uh, let, let's talk West Coast so there might have been a conversation around, should this game really be taking place? It's the second time that they're a shadow team. They've dipped into the reinforcements. They go into a scenario that, that could actually be anything if the Lions are motivated to take full toll. But then it turns out at least a portion of it is of their own hands with two players who there's sort of disobedience and then there's... <laughs> Oh, Read the parent, room, Jared. Willful. <laughs> what? I, I, I can Idiocy. think of the odd phrase. I can think of the odd phrase. And yeah. they have committed that, Sam Edmonds. They have. So those two players, Jackson Nelson, Josh Rotham, photographed it. I don't know if Derm or Hodgie been here over time. Uh, Leaderville's Hip E nightclub on Saturday night. It's a place to be, apparently, Jared. <laughs> Let's just say it's been going a while. <laughs> Except... If you're wearing West Coast colours, could there be a poorer look? And he only had to read Adam Simpson's statement to furious and disappointed, he said, after they were pictured partying there. It goes, uh, it's probably worth mentioning that several Richmond players were there as well. It's actually Nathan Broad's engagement party. Dion Presti was there, who's since pulled out of the side uh, with a virus. But the key difference being the Richmond players were given permission to hang around. The club knew all about it. It's apples and oranges in so many ways. So you've got a West Coast side struggling to put players on the park, Jared. They've dipped into the COVID contingency list, as you say, with Jake Florenka out of South Fremantle. And here are two players. One of them, actually, Josh Rotham, is playing today, can you believe, against Brisbane. So who knows what happens from here. I've been told it's not, it's certainly not the end of it. The club are on record as saying they're investigating it. I reckon the punishment could be potentially severe for both of them. It's extraordinary, isn't it, that he's made the, the issue. And uh, what normally would be, you'll sit this one out, they desperately need him to play because they're for the lack yeah. of numbers. So can I, I just want to ask about that bit. Dermot, is the Eagles are going to lose tonight. Yeah. They know it. Why would you not make your stand? So it's the standards that have been breached. Mm. Why wouldn't you go, Rotham, I don't care 
that we are not only down to our last player, we're into four blokes who aren't even part. You are not playing. Yeah. You have breached the standards, and this is the consequence of it. I'd hate to be your kid in your household. It'd be fairly stern, wouldn't it? Jared, some, Jared, some say, some say it's more of a punishment to have to fly five and a half hours to play in the game tonight. <laughs> the one thing I would it's say, it's going to be painful. <laughs> the one thing I would say, Hodgie, is it is incumbent on every coach who says, "I'm at the top. I am at. I'm the leader of this playing group." It's incumbent on every one of those to say, "We." believe we have a chance. You said they know they're going to lose. Their chief executive knows they're going to lose. The president knows they're going to lose. We all know they're going to lose. But the coach has to sell to the players that he believes they're a chance. Yeah, but this is a free hit at imposing your standards. So there are some times where a coach will compromise their capacity within a game to go, you're not playing and we're going to be worse off for it. The Mm. Eagles will be no worse off for it tonight. To go, lad, if you're going to go to the nightclub... And completely breach our entire scenario and make it frankly look like you don't care mm. what we're going through, you're not getting on that plane. But every coach will believe that they can do something extraordinary if they have that belief. That filters through. I always felt that the view of the coach, the stance of the coach, reflected upon the players. And if the coach believes, if you see him to believe, it could be... If they do win tonight, where will it stand in the list of wins that West Coast Eagles have ever had? Yeah, yeah, right at the top. Well, why not believe that? Why not want to be a part of that? I, I accept that part of it. But if there's the choice to set the standards within the club for the remaining 14 weeks of the season and for what we want to be in the long term versus one extra player on that plane who I'm sure will make absolutely no difference. I'm choosing the standards every day of the week because it's not about heroic win tonight. It's about what do we actually stand for as a club here and are our player group Do you have any understanding of what we are going through at the moment? I'm trying to give you the other stance because I'm actually in heated agreement (laughs) with you. But but I'm saying the sell to the place. And uh, and it's the the worst word. It's only two letters. It's the worst word we use in Australian rules football. If. If they did win tonight, what would the conversation between Rotham and Coach be like after the game, if he played the best game of his career so far? What would that look like? Would he... Would Rotham believe in his coach and take the line, my God, this bloke showed so much faith in me. I ain't ever doing anything like that again. Or could I mean, go the, the other way and could, say, I went to, I'm going out to a nightclub because I got rewarded and played well. <laughs> yeah, but you, you want to believe. You've, you've got to believe that the best result can happen. Football clubs, we sell hope. For people who are out there and have had a bad week, Hodgie, we want to sell them hope that things can become good seriously quickly. I'd be looking more at the, the leadership group because in any of these situations, if players go out, it's normally the rules that are set by the leadership group if it's a strong, firm leadership group. So either they haven't come down hard and they've said to Simo that we're happy for him to play on. Um, but if you look at what Collingwood did with Ginnivan, um that this is where normally the standards come from. The the rules and the standards and if you, what you can and can't do are normally set from the, the leadership group until it gets to a bigger stage where that's when you go to the coach or, or the GM. 
How much of the action of these two players is, uh, I'm just trying to think of the phrase that was, I think it was Kane who said last night, is just an up yours to the coach? Yeah. I, I think if, I don't believe it's, we can stick it up the coach. I don't think the coach, thoughts of the coach came into it <laughs> at all. Mm. What you've got is a list of, what are we down to, 43 men who've, that's basically essentially what it is. You got two out of forty-three, so you've got what's that work out to? Roughly three percent of your playing group being young men between eighteen and thirty-two. Some of them are going to go want to go out on a Saturday night, and I think three percent is a lot less than what it would be in general population. I know that's a generalisation. But it shows you a microcosm of what young men are, and sometimes they're led by their nose. Yeah, I don't have an excuse for it. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to make the reasons up in my own mind. And Hodgie, we yeah, we both stood in the wrong shoes for the wrong moments on occasion, and you just get led and you go and you do follow. Your instinct of, you know, where will this take me for a little bit of fun in life? Do, do we have an understanding? Was there actually rules set out that they couldn't go out, or was it just a? I think it's a, generic, wasn't it, with the, the COVID situation over there? That the most of them that they were to understand that you weren't to place yourself in jeopardy. That would seem common sense. Well, I think I think that's where what the reason why they haven't been punished is they're probably sitting down going, well, it's just a stupid mistake that the, that the players made. If they've if there's no actual rule saying you can't go to nightclubs, even though they've got no players, you shouldn't be putting yourself in that situation, they're probably sitting back going, well, if we haven't made those rules, the players made a silly error and went to a nightclub when they knew they probably shouldn't have. That's, that's my only understanding is why they haven't been stood down to play this weekend is there was no black or white, no, you can't go. If, if that was a rule that was set out by the leadership group, and they went to the nightclub, then they wouldn't be playing. But if it's just something they should have known not to do and there wasn't no set rules about it, that's the only way I could come up with the reason they haven't been suspended and they're allowing them to play because, as you said, Derm, they're, they're young kids, they made an error, and we've all made silly mistakes uh, with, with judgment like that. Yeah, I think once the club put out, puts out a statement oh. that includes the words devastating, particularly disheartening and furious. Yes. <laughs> I, have, I have a hunch the punishment is coming. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'd hate to be a kid in the Waitley household. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a rule with the iron fist here. You're, you're very quick to jump at it. Aren't yeah, you? I think it's very un, <laughs> it's an unflattering picture of West Coast, which leads me to think that the players aren't cognizant of the scenario that they're in. Is you can be a silly young man, Dermot, yeah. but our club just for these four weeks, and you see it. Adam Simpson cuts almost a harrowing figure at the moment. If you're oblivious to that, um, that that's an unflattering picture of a football club, mm. I think. Yeah. So once again, I'm trying to find reasons to, to, to work out why it's happened. <laughs> Essentially, I'm in heated agreement yeah. with you. But, yeah, it's, it's difficult to fathom. It also ruins their – so there was a very strong current towards this is just unfair. Yeah. So Thursday nights was – this is just unfair on West Coast. And then this happens on Friday. And you go, oh, so it's by your own hand. No, bad luck. Go and get beaten by 200 points. Mm. Bad luck. Mm. So the, the integrity of the season, which I think there was unease around that the Eagles would find themselves here, I think there's an element of, well, buggier. Oh, off you go. This is of your own hand. When is the tipping point? 
I mean, we had a discussion the other day when I was on with Andy and Andy. And, now? And, f- and for me, yeah. No, but I mean for you, that's enough. We can't let this happen. This is this is non-productive uh, for the product we want to put out to the public, to come and view, to pay, to sit bums on seats, to, to use your eyeballs, to look through the TV and watch this. This is not entertainment. When do they call off? For me, it is 22 plus three emergencies. If, if they're on your list, is it the 22 or is it the 25? You definitely need the emergencies in this scenario. Is it 22 that you can't field? So they're, they're not, beyond that, aren't they? Yeah, they? I know, I know. Yeah. So that, well, that's the call. Or is it 18? So they're coming off a, a, a three-figure loss against Richmond at home. They've got Brisbane at the Gabba today. They've got Melbourne next week. You do fear... For, for the product that, as Derm, as he terms it, he's going to come out the other side. We are at the tipping point now, but we know that it's a moot point because the AFL has been so strong privately and publicly that regardless of what happens, the show's going on. But, gee, she's an ugly, ugly watch and is going to be for a while. Yeah, I think, that, I think it's interesting. So the AFL will say that the integrity of the season was better served by not having an arbitrary subjective judgment. Your point. So I look at, so I go Fremantle six from one week to the next. That would represent a tipping point to me. That's not how it played out at all. No. But that would be totally subjective. At yours, it would be more empirical if you can't get to, uh, say, 22 and your four emergencies, if you can't get 26. The AFL will say better to have the blanket we're playing no matter what and not have a subjective judgment from one team to the next to the next. But it compromises the integrity of individual games. So you know as, as well as I do, there will be TV networks who say tonight, well, why put the resources into this? People will likely turn off 10 minutes into it when it's 40 to 2 at quarter time. What, why are we being given this product? So I, I'll run your counter-arguments back at you. Okay. <laughs> Once it gets to 140 to 15, people are turning on. Yeah. There's a morbid curiosity. 100%. It becomes ghoulishly, oh, I've got to be part of this. <laughs> when the record books get unfolded, then. That's oh, gee, we... what are we dealing with here? <laughs> <laughs> you no, reckon I'm... they like to see the, 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 the car crash? I'm going to the Grand Prix to watch Which... the crashes, not the cars. Without a doubt, if Charlie Cameron's lined up for his 20th goal in the third quarter, I'm going to be switching on to, to have a look. Fred Fanning style again. Yeah. <laughs> I did but, not have a look at the West Coast team. And if you took away the, the history of the last uh, seven weeks, they've got some good players in there, and they're not performing either. I mean, the only Kennedy and McGovern, they're the first two go-tos, I'd say. Hold your heads up. There's not much else in the other boys who... Hearn gives... gives every week, but there's not much else that you could say, he's dug deep. Mm. Kennedy happened. shouldn't Kennedy shouldn't even be playing every week. I know. But he's rolling, and Shannon Hearn's the same, just to get through, just to, the, to hold it all together, Jared. Mm. It's, uh, it's a frightening prospect what's ahead of us. And I heard talk during the week, they said he's probably going to have to go around next year as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's going to be the big question of the decisions they're going to make. Looking where they are, and as you said, there's still a lot of very good players on that field. Watching last Friday night, you sort of look back and go, there's a lot of premiership players out there that just aren't up to the contracts they sign. So what West Coast going to do? Yes, I know we're talking about struggling to field a team, um, not being competitive, but the big, the big question is going to be for the next 18 months, who are they going to get rid of? 
what, how they're going to get draft picks in. It's going to be some big decisions made at West Coast. I had a look at that list, and they have 11 players who are over 30 years of age, and Darling turns 30 in five weeks. Of those... Um, Oh, sorry, 11 players who are their core players. Seven of them are 30. Darling turns 30 in five weeks. So eight out of their core 11 are over 30 years of age. Here's the concern then, Jared. right? West Coast season's in the bin. Across town, you've got a side like Fremantle who are on top of the ladder at seven and one. I am just praying that it doesn't get to the business end of the season and they get hit with COVID. Yeah. Now, that would be the ultimate crying shame if right at their moment of potential glory... They're smacked and compromised on the eve of September. But everyone's That's exposed to that same but scenario them, them, as well. They're more than anyone else by virtue of the fact of the way the state and the city of Perth has gone about navigating COVID. And we're seeing it with West Coast earlier in the year. And Simon Garlic, didn't he, this time last week, he knocked on wood when he said... It was a plastic desk. Well, there you so. go. And he didn't knock hard enough, which was the other thing. And so yeah. they got a taste of it now. Yeah. But, geez, you would hate, you would hate it for that to happen at the end of the year. The modern coaching setup. So Simon Goodwin clearly didn't max out what the capacity was for him, either in years or money as a premiership coach. And he spoke of the needs being the, the part of the collective, which is the coaching group and the soft cap, which governs that. And the more he takes, the less there is to go around. And quite frankly, after all that he's been through, he wants to be successful and there in the window. And then the other side of that is the queue, which would appear to be lengthy to talk to Alistair Clarkson, which represents the, the super coach. So the coaching group, Versus the super coach. That, uh, philosophically, we couldn't have two more powerful case studies in front of us right now, I think. Hodgie, <laughs> you open up. You know him a whole lot more than, than we do. Yeah, well, Clarko's big selling point to us as players <clears throat> I mean, was take less, stay together, and you'll have more success. Um, we trusted him. That's what we did. And, uh, and he... He was correct. The big question is, is can he do it himself? <laughs> um, look, Goodwin, that's, that's so smart. I mean, coaches have such a big role in today's game. Yes, with the, with the soft cap that's been put in, they've had to make a lot of cuts. Even being as a part-time coach at Lions, seeing how it all works and how they, they need to trust each other and how much responsibility each coach has, the better coaches you have around you, the better the player's going to be. If you're going to have one, it's like it's like, Taken in a, a salary cap. If you're going to pay one player two and a half million out of the salary cap, then the people around him are going to suffer. Not going to be as good as as what they could be if you took less. So, this is where it's going to be big on the on the coaches. If are they going to take do what Goodwin's done, take less and have a better support crew around you, or you're going to fill your pockets and, and have a lesser crew. Um, it's a big decision, but I know what I'd be doing if I was coaching. We often talk about players, uh, we often talk about the situation in AFL football, and we almost go with the, let's trot out the politically correct line. Yes, play for the love of it, play for your teammates, play for success, don't play for money. There are plenty of players who play for money, but I can't think of a situation where players who've stayed for less to be a part of success haven't found that success and haven't regretted the decision. It's happened in Luke's time. It happened in our time at Hawthorne. Um, we had plenty of guys who, who got offered good money and stayed, still got great money. What's, it, it turns down to staying for great money as opposed to going for incredibly great money. So you may as well stay for great money and be a part of success. So I applaud 
and, and um, Goody for this and the fact that his team now is well aware that he's in it for them as well. Such a powerful case study with all of the players. Mm. <laughs> not, not just as I say, but as I do. I, I, I am a big believer that the senior coach's wage should be outside the soft cap. Fully? Fully. I don't think we should be. For, for the immensity of the job, for the scrutiny that goes with it, and for the term... Um, I don't think we should cap the you senior coach's wage in such a way. Couldn't make just a set portion of the wage I, I, inside the you cap? You could, I, yeah. but I would just remove it entirely. Um, and the market can dictate what a senior coach is worth. Mm. And then your equalisation comes through in how you're going to spend the rest of it and what are you going to amass. Mm. But Can, can it, players do that with a salary cap then? Can you have your best player out of the salary cap? No, I think the, I think the playing cap is plenty high enough to pay the players what they're worth. I don't think – I think the squeeze uh, means that senior coaches aren't get, getting paid what they should. And there wouldn't be a club in the land that would disagree with that. Now that we're down to 6.3, and it sounds as though we're not going to get a massive increase, at least in the short term. And I don't know about you, Jared. I was curious – forget how much he um, – how much less he took or whatever, just the, the tenure as well for Simon Goodwin. So a two-year tenure struck me as something that, well, he's a premiership coach at the top of his game. They've won 14 games. If there was ever scope to give a longer-term contract to a coach, it was here. Might so, be three's enough. Yeah, and I, I just wonder if it was... I mean, three flags. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And I, I think there's an element of, uh, you know, A, this was more Simon Goodwin's call than Melbourne, of course, and then B, is he going to be the forever coach? Is Simon Goodwin the career coach for life? or And is there an element of, I don't want to be in this forever? I'm in it for a good time, not necessarily a long time. Take full toll out of this phase. And then maybe they look, you know, you speak to the power of the coaching collective. He's, he's had a fill-in coach there, Adam Uzo, who comes highly regarded. Maybe they live the succession philosophy again years from now. Well, Haji, you would have been coached by... Ooze, wouldn't you, Adam Ooze, hey? I guess. Yeah. How did you find him? What was his strengths and weaknesses and the way he went about it? Uh, he's definitely relationships. That's that's a strength. He clearly understands football playing 300 games with Melbourne. Um, but one thing we noticed was how good he was with relationships. He he come straight into the, into the club, got along with everyone. Um, also, his work ethic. I remember he, when he first stepped foot in the door, he was a part-time coach. And he was there four days a week. So obviously had the flexibility in his lifestyle. He was getting paid for two and was there for four. And I think that by itself impressed a lot of people. But just how he was able to pass on his knowledge and and communicate to, to the players uh, was excellent as well. The queue for Clarkson is clearly long. Do you expect him to coach next year, Luke? Uh, I, I reckon he will. Um, for someone who... He just he just loves it so much, and I spoke to him about six weeks ago, and he said he he thought he'd be missing it more than what he is at the to- at the moment. He's been pretty busy; he's been to America a couple of times, um, but he he said he, he he's not missing the the match day stuff at at this stage. Um, but knowing him, as soon as he gets back in and around, a job comes to him. It, he he just loves it. He's so competitive. Um, I, I reckon if a, if a job pops up, that he'll he'll jump at it for sure. He's doing his coach's preseason at the moment. He's Often learning more mm. about other sports and their relationships and the way they manage every area of their sporting organisation. So that's that's his own pre-season coming into season 2023. What scenario suits him best? I don't think he's oh. suited to the ground zero. Why would you walk into the ground zero rebuild when I think he's going to have multiple choices? I would agree with you 
if there is such a thing as more than 100%, I would agree with you. You're seeing – I think Sam Mitchell right now is, in my opinion, is doing a better job than Clarko would do with this group given where they are at, what he's trying to instil in them. I think you've got Clarko who – and not to embarrass you, Luke, but you and your team – I think are the best kicking team I've ever seen. They they have claims to be the best team that we've seen in the last thirty years or so, um, and that that could stand up. So I think he's an incredibly good coach with a team which is top three talent. Um, so I would think he'd want to go somewhere where he could find successful, enhance the reputation even more. I don't think he wants to build for four seasons. Not at not at this age of his life. What do you think, Luke? Oh, um, <laughs> it's a tough one. I, I reckon he would love to be able to go to a club that hasn't played finals before um, and push them up to finals and, and get them as high as he possibly could. I, I, I see a lot of similarities with Hawthorne and Gold Coast. They've got some really good young players. He, he's proved in the past that he's been able to mould and guide and through relationships with the younger players to to get to the stage where they trust everything he says. They will trust and do what he tells them to do. Um, and I think for his reputation and what he'd be go down for, if he could go to a team, Gold Coast, that hasn't played finals before and get them up there in two or three years, I think that will put him down as... There'll be no questions on him. He'd be one of the best ever. One from left field, Hodgie. Would there be a coach such as a Stewie Jew or somebody who is still in their, their first tenure, would they allow an Alistair Clarkson to be sitting in the coach's box and be a godfather figure in there? <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't. Um, it's sort of hard. You, you, you'd want someone behind you as who's had that much experience, but... Doesn't you, have would, to drive would, would you, to... Coach yeah, the, to be the coach, yeah. If, if it was someone who'd, who'd coach and said, look, I never want to coach again. I want to go there and help develop other coaches. 100%. But if you're going to coach... That's a hard there, no. I the award-winning Crunch Time. It's a terrific Saturday of footy ahead. We're gearing up the games thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. We have a category, the bounce back for Duraveg, providing erosion control and environmental vegetation. And this is, Dusty Martin is, is a bounce back. We haven't seen him since round one. I reckon there were a few weeks there where his teammates were unsure whether they would run out with him. Again, regardless of what he was thinking and what his manager will mm. say, I think there's just enough from the um, from the teammates. Hundred percent. They were just a bit unsure, Sam. Hundred percent. If your hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if you do rewind to post round one, that was definitely the feeling amongst I would say the majority of the senior group at Richmond who had seen it with Alex Rance, and I think if he did a straw poll on them back then. Most of them would have had Dustin Martin not returning. That's how severe and how serious it actually was. We now know the story with the benefit of hindsight, and we're all the better for it. Thank goodness he is coming back to play at the, the game today. I can't wait to watch him go. It, it had all the smells that, that he was never coming back, didn't it? But then when we hear the little insights about his training, it, with boxing. Paul Gallon. Yep. Yeah. Um, it sounds like when you read into that, that there was always the intention of coming back. But from what we felt, it it was all, the, the noise was that it wasn't happening. So... 
Yeah, I'm glad he's back. I, I hope people don't expect mm. expect to see, you know, his capabilities when he floats through the middle. But as a forward, don't think you're going to get a four goal a week goal kicker every week. <laughs> Probably making a liar of me now. <laughs> but he, isn't that the beauty I hope of it? He does. But this but is a beauty. Yeah, he's a he's a player who, when he drifts forward, he doesn't mark the ball high off the ground. He marks him one on ones, bodying out his opponent and marking on the chest, and that needs one on one space around them. So, this modern day and age, you don't get that all that often. Although Collingwood tend to. Um, play off their man a little. So we might find a bit of space. Yeah, put him down for a couple. How do you think this, he'll go, this, Hodgie? This is, sorry, this is why we didn't want to lose him for good from the game. Because Dusty brings so much into the conversation. Mm. What could he do? Where's he going to play? How's he going to slide forward? Who's he going to play on? Who's going to shut him down? Who's going to be one-on-one with him in the forward 50 when everyone else is squeezing his up? He brings so much excitement to the game. Look, I know I'm going to be tuning in to to watch just to sort of see how he goes. Are they going to give him midfield time? Now they've got Cochin back. He he just brings so much to the game that puts a smile to your face. He brings so many eyes to the TV or to the grounds to watch because of what he can do. Um, and I think you've sort of got to look back and, and sort of say, well done to Richmond. The fact that they gave him the space to go away... Um, grieve or do whatever he needed to do to, to get back and, and be in a place where he's happy enough to come back and play football. A lot of, a lot, I'm not sure if a lot of clubs would be able to do that to their, to their, player, uh, to their best player who are, who are striving to play in finals um, after missing last year. So um, what was the question? What, what do you reckon he'll do? Yeah, what could he do? He could do anything. <laughs> he's, for, for a person who... Look, you just... You look at games, look at, the, look at these grand finals that he plays. You, you don't see someone who you just know is going to be so convincingly good um, and just make others look silly around him because of how strong, how smart, how powerful he is. And then he smarts around, around the goal. So look, I, I hope he plays forward um, just because every time the ball goes near him, you, you know that something's going to happen. Yeah, so, sorry, Luke, I thought you were going to continue. Uh, I just... He's an extraordinary player. We 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 know that. Um, I'll, I'll just get back to. It. I hope people don't expect too much from. Him. Don't think. And every time we hear it, it happened with Carey. It happened with Gary Ablett Jr. As soon as we see a little bit of yeah mileage on the clock, so oh he could go to full forward and kick eighty for the year. He could go to full forward and kick a hundred for the year. They are great in the positions that they were designed for, uh, and they are capable. And sometimes split games open in other positions. Gaz never went forward and kicked the 80 for the year. Wayne never went to the full forward line and kicked 100 for the year. I doubt Dusty can go to full forward and become a four goal a week goal kicker. Uh, Every second week he'll kick his two or three and he'll be very, very constructive. But I, I can't see him playing a whole lot of time through the midfield. Never has when he was fully fit. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen that way. And they're viable. So Richmond have just managed to keep themselves viable for his return at three and four. Turned the corner, haven't they? So to speak. Well, we hope they have. How much do we read into that? That win from last Nothing. week? Nothing. I think that's yeah. what makes this afternoon so interesting. I think they get the they get the match practice mm. last week. Now let's see what it looks like against a capable opponent. Interesting to hear Dimmer Hardwick talk during the week. And when you look back at it, and and after I heard him speak yesterday, I looked back at various teams. They've lost an awful lot of players. 
that entire lines, back lines that have been decimated and, and no wonder they go went out and went and got Tarrant from what their premiership team was in that back line, Basha Hooley and Rance and all these players that and Grimes has been absent as well and, and even from last year, Bolt has been absent until recently. So they've lost entire portions of their team. They haven't had a real good run at it. I still feel like there's the bones of a fantastic team in there. We just need to, once again, use that word, frank the form. Let's see how they go. Just a bit of team news, Jared. Obviously, the Cats in action. Though. Speaking of bounce back, Paddy Dangerfield will be central to proceedings in Canberra, but Reece Stanley hasn't made the trip there. So watch for a late change. He hasn't uh, made the trip to Canberra. And also reading that uh, at Richmond, Sydney Stack, Riley Collier-Dawkins have been withdrawn from their VFL game today as well. So maybe that's an eye to the weather as well, whether they go in with Nankervis and Soldo, but... There's a watch on the on the virus as well this weekend. A lot of clubs battling a virus, one at Collingwood, a um, bit floating around at Richmond, of course, a bit floating around we hear at Essendon as well, particularly amongst their defenders. So watch for late-change carnage this weekend potentially. That's a really interesting game, the Giants oh, and yeah. the Cats. So the Cats don't have a Ruckman anymore. So look to Mark Blitzavs, I suppose, yeah. to, to fill the void there. And, oh. and the Giants have got – and Bruce is – I know I have a bit of novelty fun with it. Bruce is playing incredibly Animal. well, mm. and he's got a, a big uh, um, uh, lieutenant as well in, in Flint. So the Cats have won one game in their last three. So for the last 21 days, and that was against North Melbourne. They've lost to the Dockers, and they lost to the Hawks. And they went down to two teams who moved the ball quickly. The, Do- uh, the Giants last week, and he, I do love the Giants, but they got their clearance game going. But more than that, they had an accent on shifting and moving the ball quickly, which is what might trouble the Cats if they get that into gear. And there's, once again, I've used the word if. <laughs> but that is an intriguing game. Yeah. So uh, who's there, Sean Grigg? Well, Asaba Radagalia, I was just going to say, is listed uh, uh, among the emergencies. So maybe they could swing him in. Um, the chopper change with, with Mark Blitzarves, of course. I think Sean we'll Grieg, see some totally weird stuff. They're not in a the Sean Grieg, Square today. They're not a Sean Grigg <laughs> side, uh, Jared. I, I can't see Josh it. Battle. He was good against the Giants two weeks but, ago. But yeah. I think they'll play with four mids. <laughs> you couldn't, could you? You got to have somebody to put the helmet on and lead the charge. You, you what are they? You don't send your Ferrari in to plough the field. Are we going to? You've got to have somebody. Bruce, he will kill someone. He will snap them in two with the. Have point you of received? Have you received some intel on this? No, too? I'm just theorising. I don't. I don't think you're putting Blitzavs for prolonged period of times in against Bruce. So I just got two texts in the space of 10 seconds. Asaba's not playing, so we can rule him out. The Cats are going to do something radical in the ruck. Yeah, I think you'll see uh, a Sean Grigg-style affair. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the side, and uh, I don't know who it's going to be. Are we, we going to see uh, Collar Jasny go in there and, and box on? No, I think you'll see four mids. I think someone will stand in the circle. Well, someone has to. Well, if I'm no, the all Geelong, I have to do is stand in the circle. Well, Bruce is grabbing it out. No, you just all you is covering his boot. Well, if I'm so the Geelong it, but player, you're just tackling him. I'm hoping the umpire gets the bounce away because if it gets thrown up in the middle and Brucey knows exactly where oh. it is, this is oh so Geelong, isn't it? Uh, this will be. It'll be perversely <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> oh, this is oh. on, on the on the flip side. This is where Bruce and Flynn have to make 
Geelong pay for it. If you're going to go in with a, a, like another midfielder, you've got to be spiking the ball forward. You've got to make the Geelong coaching staff think about what else they can do. Because we saw, Derm just said, Battle did a really good job against both Flynn and, um, Bruce. and Bruce when when the last quarter and a half. Um, they didn't make him damage. They, they, they didn't make the hitouts damaging. They, they won so many hitouts, but it wasn't hurting St Kilda. If I was them, I'd start spiking the ball, hitting the ball 30 metres forward, have your forwards ready to go on, the, on, the, on their toes in front of their defender and make the Geelong coaching staff put someone else, put Blitzarfs in if, if they haven't planned on doing it, if they want to run with four mids. You can't just let a, a six-foot-three person go around with a ruckman or two big ruckmen of their size. This this um, this has got a ghoulish element to yeah, it. Yeah, it'll be fascinating, I it, think. Fascinating. And, and the reason is, uh, on top of this, we have to see whether... I mean, they could have gone in... We saw the Giants fall apart against Richmond when they rucked, rucked Tom Green. Now, there's no reason why this shouldn't be the same in reverse. And then, as you've said, they might go in four midfielders and just try and smother up anything they decide yeah. to get going forward. Luke nah, comes but... in with the spike the ball forward. I, I worry for the – I genuinely – well, I come from a different era, so I saw it happen frequently. I genuinely worry for the safety of the player that has to oppose someone like Braden Proust. This isn't something we should say, but I've been sworn to secrecy. I, I know what they're going to do, Jared. It's not as radical so as So we what... can trust you it's with any not... – it's not as Secrets. radical, unfortunately, not as radical as what Jared's saying. They, they've got a, they've got a quite unquote ruckman to ruck. Just so is that to Coney? Similar vibes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, we will get to the rev up. That's clearly oh. Essendon next with Dermot Burton and Luke Hodge. We're gearing up for all the action today for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go collection. Just pack, stack, and go. The award-winning crunch time. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong, and Ringwood. Visit HarleyHeaven.com.au for details. Essendon have been getting the rev up all week, so why wouldn't they get it in the hours <laughs> counting down to the game? The rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. So it's the what is it? The Dirty Rottens. Essendon versus Hawthorne. It couldn't be more perfect, Dermot Burton. The Dirty Rottens. That's them. <laughs> Why do you hate Essendon? Do I need a reason? <laughs> um, look, they will be trumped up. There's no way that they couldn't feel the emotional um, in, instalment put into them this week because of how they've performed. They've been critiqued for effort. They've been critiqued for game style. They've been critiqued for personnel. I mean, what more do you need to actually stand up and say, right, this is when we have a real dig? And said that, having a dig doesn't just win you games. You need to have a style. I worry for them that they're style won't click, won't come. 
at the back end of last year, slightly different personnel, more avenues to goal. They don't have those avenues to goal now. But around the ground, they had vibrancy. I mean, remember Hind off the back flank. If they tried to kick their way out of it, well and good. If not, Hind would just give them that explosive pace. They haven't had that this year. So they've been a team that's attempted to kick their way out. And then when it doesn't come off down the line, then they try to bite off into the middle. And they've been picked off there as well. Uh, They've talked about they want to be a little bit braver. I've seen times last week when I thought they were overly brave going into the middle. So they don't really know what is brave, what is biting off, what is secure, what is safe down the line. They look like a team that's confused on how they want to come out of their back line. So the objective for Hawthorne is, everyone's objective, get it into your forward line. But that lock-in style game Mm. is how Hawthorne should be able to win this game. Um, Having said that... The Hawks have won one out of the last five. Yeah, there's no alibis today No, for Essendon. Any idea that it's assumed Essendon should lose is, I'm not having any of that. Oh, I am. (laughs) This this is a team that, uh, for Hawthorne's trajectory versus Essendon's trajectory, Mm. um, if you're going to set things right, set them right today. I mean, they're in the same neighbourhood, aren't they? Uh, we assume that both teams, well, no, sorry, the Hawks would be bottom four. They're playing a style, a brand of football, which was way above bottom four. But they still haven't got the personnel with the right amount of experience to carry that through to get up to top four. The Bombers, we assumed, were going to push through to creeping inside the eight, maybe on a bad few runs of luck they might by the season's end just sit outside the eight but they would be pushing their case by now it hasn't happened I did worry right at the start of the year I worried for their ability to kick goals if Jake Stringer wasn't there or was well held or had a down year they are very young forward of the footy uh, and that experience would tell Hooker his time was probably gone, but they needed that experience forward, someone there to actually lead the way. So this is where we go. This is where we we uh, uh, must structure up down here. No I'd, late change. Cautious. Sorry, Hodgie, you go. I was. Uh, I'd, I'd be cautious if I was, if I was Sammy. I'd be letting the the players know that that when a club like Essendon has their back to the wall, uh, and they they are a big club, even though what they've shown the last few years hasn't been to expectations. Um, They'll come out firing, I reckon. And especially when you've got motivation, when you've got pressure on you from external people, uh, and then you're coming up against a club that your supporters hate. A lot of people who've been at your club for a long time realise how much they hate Hawthorne. I reckon they'll come out firing. They'll, um, and I, I just reckon Sammy will be talking to the players and letting them know that just be ready. Be ready for a pretty physical, energetic Essendon because after what they've been through... Um, I can just see a bit of a spark coming. Yeah, so th- this is the rev up. Is Essendon has to be winning tonight. And if they don't, this is their worst loss of the season. Mm. If, if we sat back at the start of the year, would have had Essendon hands down. Yes. But but I, I tipped Hawthorne, um, and that wasn't... So did I. A lot, a lot of people out there say, oh, because you used to play there. But I actually tipped them just the fact that the grit that they've been able to show at times, what I saw them play against Geelong... I feel Mitch will be able to get the players to do that again because of the passion and, and I guess, the hatred that he, he's been around Hawthorne long enough to know the hatred of, of both clubs. He's going to be telling his players about that. Um, I, I just One thing I'd be saying is just be careful because Essendon, they do have the, the, the cattle to, to beat Hawthorne. It's just whether they, they bring the motivation, bring the energy 
um, which we haven't seen much this year. Several times this year, the Bombers have come out and jumped out of the blocks really quickly. And we thought, right, they're on. But they don't play the game. They don't play the entire game. And the, the one reason I think Hawthorne has probably the upper hand here is that Hawthorne will play out to the final bell. There's only one game that they didn't when they were obliterated by St Kilda. But even in the face of you know being down 40 points at half-time, Ree Carlton type game, Geelong game at three-quarter time, they've played out the four quarters. What was the team news, Sam? No late change. Collingwood, Richmond, Sydney Stack, Jack, Madgen the sub. But the other early game today, there is one. Sydney, Gold Coast, and a big blow for the visitors. Noah Anderson is a laid out for the Suns. Alex Davies comes in. Ryan Clark's the sub with Darcy McPherson. Turn your daily commute into a thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwood and Dandenong. Now, Dermot and Sam, I think you're going to have a bit of a dabble. We are. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. We are indeed, Gerard, and to do that, we need to bring in Josh Jeans from Dabble HQ. Welcome to you, Josh. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Let's be honest. The only reason I'm here is because we can talk about how good Derm's going. Yeah, well, how did we? How did we? We go last week, Josh? <laughs> yeah, you've done pretty well yourself, which is really good to see. And uh, I, I think you're going to do pretty well today. Who you like? And I guess Sydney over the Suns, Tigers over Pies, Giants over Cats. And you've gone conservative. Lines forty plus. I thought you would have taken the line of minus ninety nine. Man's got to know his limitations, but I bow to the oracle opposite me. Derm's been on fire. Uh, Derm, you are the Jedi of this this uh, segment. Uh, well, I'm having a bit of fun doing this. It's forcing me to look into each game. I'm going for the Giants to beat Geelong, especially now that Jared's telling me that Tyson Stengel's in the first ruck. Uh, so the Giants to win. I'm going for John Newcomb to get 25-plus possessions. I can't see the Bombers are going to go with a run with. So 25-plus for him. Um, Swannies v... Um, uh, Gold Coast. Uh, the Gold Coast. Luke Parker, two-plus goals. He'll play a lot of time forward, and I think they lack for a an option to play on him given the other strike power they've got up forward. So he'll get off the chain a little bit. Probably could have gone to three-plus goals there, but I'll stick with two so we get, get the win. Uh, and it's a bit wet up there. I'm going to go with the Lions to kick 120-plus points, which is pretty conservative, actually. <laughs> Look at that. He's, he's reading from his notebook down here, Josh. He does a forensic amount of research, so I think we're locked and loaded. Well, it's paying off as well, and the good thing about that and Dabble is that people have copied your bets, Derm, so not only are you having to win, but the Dabble community as well. So go on, download the app, have a Dabble, Dabble socially, and gamble responsibly. Thanks, guys. Oh, Josh Jeans there, Jared. Enjoy the Crunch Time banter. Check out Dabble banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a Dabble, gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The one other story we should reference is Rory Thompson's return to oh, wow. yeah. yeah, so 1,379 days, two knee reconstructions, four years in the wilderness. What, um, for tenacity and determination to get back, when there must have been a good many days where he felt like giving up or that it was never going to happen. Side issue too is if you've got a kid who's 17 wanting to be drafted, it shows you that if he goes to the Suns, they're going to look after him. I reckon it's a great feather in their cap to show how much they've stood by a young man. Four years. That's extraordinary, isn't it, that they stood by him. Fantastically well done. Uh, the lad's very good. Um, uh, 
I'll tell you how long he's been around for just those handful of games. Rodney Ede told me how good this kid was. And he said, look, he's as strong as could be, really bodily strong, but quite a good running athlete as well. Doesn't look like your classic Ross Glendening, you know, purely skilled key defender, but gets the job done. Very robust, very strong, very uh, good endurance as well, and long, has seriously good reach. Even though Sam Collins is a wonderful, wonderful player, he's 190. I think, Sam, which is a big man. But the reach of Rory Thompson will be an extra 10, 12 centimetres. So there's a lot to look forward to this Saturday of footy. Luke Hodge, great to have you with us. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. boy. Dermot Burton, I know you're on duty as the afternoon unfolds. Sam, thanks for all that you brought. Good to be here. That is the round eight edition of Crunch Time to set you up for Saturday afternoon footy. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.